how we doing? Good, man. I'm good. A couple of us are good. Um, <laughs> Veterans Day weekend, I can always account one thing. Uh, ever since I married into the Cazenet family, Daniel always has me somewhere on Veterans Day, whether it's Atlanta, whether it's here. I told him, I was like, we got to get off this little... Uh, Get off this little road we're on, man. Veterans Day, I, I don't know if I can do it every year. But um, yeah, Veterans Day weekend, you know, uh, on our side of the river, um, and, and I don't know if they had it here, but they had a, they had a really neat display this weekend, which was, um, it, it was basically banners built that had all the service members who have passed away, and, and most of them in the last uh, 20 years, per se, in the Iraq war and Afghanistan war. Um, and I'm always somewhat twisted with Veterans Day, right? Like, you know, uh, it, you do want to have a distinction between it and Memorial Day, but, it, but it's never to forget, man. Like, uh, w- you know, we look at death as this certain part, but the scars uh, within the veteran community are deep. Um, and, and I will tell you that, you know, I get to work with a couple nonprofits that still uh, float along the lines of uh, Soldiers Decide Lines and University of Health and Performance and FitOps Foundation um, that transition veterans. But, but, you know, what I would say is, 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 that, you know, we can never forget that we are the land of the free because of the home of the brave, right? We, we get to come here on a Sunday morning because of brave people. Um, we get to worship God because of brave people. And, uh, you know, I have been fortunate enough to see other countries where that is not an option, right? That will cost you your life. And, uh, you know, people have always come at me, man, I'm gonna jump in a rabbit hole. You know, people have always come at me and say, oh man, how about people that protest and they take a knee on? It's the beauty of a free country. <laughs> to be fair, right? Like you get to be free. And, um, and I think that as this weekend is here, you know, what I will say is, is, is just never forget the time frame. Man. You know, this, this war was 20 plus years old. And I, I would say as, as a follower of Christ, as a Christian, is to always be conscious of your surroundings and to realize that as the time grows, sometimes the scars grow. Um, but what I will say, how I correlate it walking through and, uh, you know, my wife actually found my buddy that's tattooed on my arm, uh, my best bud, found his picture, and I was like, man, I was just staring there, you know, looking at him, and I was like, man, it's almost hard to believe this was once my life, right? Uh, like, I, I mean, it's getting, I'm getting a little bit older. I'm like, man, like, this was, uh, this really was once part of my life, but I could say that, you know, in, into the glory of God, right, that I could put a look at a picture of myself, and that was once my life also, and uh, by the glory of God, you know, we are here uh, to worship his name, and um, so, you know, for the veteran side of things, you know, I, I salute those that have served, those that continue to serve, those that have given their life. I, I just enjoy the entire scene of it all as far as, man, I am very respectful to the entire idea of that big machine that keeps us free. So um, as we transition and, and, get, get, and switch gears, you know, I, I think no greater book of the Bible to be in on a Veterans Day weekend than Daniel, right? right? You're talking about a, a, a man who was committed, a man who was faithful, a man who, uh, you know, just lived above, uh, almost above approach per se, right? And uh, this week is the infamous Daniel and the lion's den. And I think that the funny thing about that is, right, no matter if you've been to church one time or a hundred times, you're probably like, man, I've heard Daniel and the lion's den, and I can promise you I'm not coming up here to recreate it or, or catch a couple little quick one-liners to make you walk away. What I, what I want to do this morning is spend time in just looking at who Daniel was and to realize that his lion was an actual lion. His den was an actual den. There, there is no, there, I can't divide that into be like, oh man, it was anxiety, it was depression, it was Daniel had home problem. No, it was a real lion. It was a real lion trying to kill him. 
right? No, it was real. No, it was a real den he got thrown in, right? It, it wasn't, I, I can't put it out there in, a, in an analogy to be like, oh man, when you go to work and it's tough. No, it was real. It was a real lion, like trying to kill him. So, you know, that's where I want to sit in this week, right? It's just looking at this story on the idea of, man, you know, he's going to face something. You know, it's going to be really, really hard. You know, it's going to be really, really bad without a defined outcome. And what did Daniel do? Um, and, and we're actually just going to run, run through the entire chapter six today. And I, I would say big part here is to realize like, hey, Daniel is not 20 years old in this part of the story, right? We're not talking about a young man a, a, in the game of faith. We're talking about somewhere in the line, 60, 70, 80 years old per se is where we've got Daniel at right now. So, you know, again, setting the scene here to understand like, hey, not a young man. This is in the beginning of his story, Right. And we all know that, the, you know, the things we do in our 20s or, or compared to the 40s, sometimes, especially when it's standing out or doing something bold, often those are in the younger years when we don't have a whole lot of sense, right? We're like, yeah, man, I'll stand on that platform. I got you. Lion's Den, throw me in. I'm ready, right? You, you hit 20 plus 20, you get to 40, and you're like, um, is there another approach we could look at besides getting in the lion's den? You know, I don't think the outcome is going to be too good there. Uh, so I think that's important to realize. Daniel is not 20. It's a man who's lived a life of faithfulness, right? A life of faithfulness. And, uh, you know, so as we dive in, I, I want to set that presence and to realize that, you know, uh, for you, right, as we read through chapter six, what do you pick out from Daniel as these monikers, these markers of his life that propelled him and led him to be who he is throughout the entire book of Daniel right here. So if you've got your Bibles with you this morning, I am going to be in Daniel chapter 6. We're going to read through it. In the beginning right here, I'll break down a couple things that I believe are important for us. At the end, we're just going to come back through some of the themes that were present throughout this chapter. But I'm going to pick it up here in verse 1, right? And it says, Darius decided to appoint 120 satraps over the kingdom stationed through the realm and over them, three administrators, including Daniel. These satraps would be accountable to them so that the king would not be defrauded. So again, just making sure we understand what we got here, a satrap, right? This is somebody you, you could almost think of kind of like your, uh, almost like a mayor-ish role, right? They, they controlled land, they controlled taxes, they collected these taxes, right? They, they were in charge of maintaining law and order within their little region. And then obviously we've got three that are over top of them, Daniel being one of them, right? And these are kind of the king's governors. What they are designed to do is to be like, hey, satraps, do not cheat the king, right? So we've got just a system of accountability built in is all we're looking at right here through verse one. Satrap, low-level leadership, right? Hey, give me the money, pay for the land, the taxes, whatever that may be. Next level leadership, right? We're coming into kind of that governor where Daniel is, which is to say, hey, obviously if there's three governors, 120, probably each of them have 40. And they're saying, okay, cool. They're over top of them to accountability. And then obviously those three are appointed by the king. So they're reporting directly up to the king. And again, remember here, their whole job is to make sure the king is not defrauded, right? That is their whole job. So picking up in chapter three, Daniel distinguished himself above the administrators and satraps because he had extraordinary spirit. So the king planned to set him over the whole realm, right? So now you've already got it. Daniel, now again, if I'm the king and you are in charge of not letting me lose my money and you are setting yourself apart, the king must realize very quick, right? Hey, Daniel is saving me all my money. I'm putting Daniel in charge. Now, what I would say here is obviously you have who Daniel is. It's his ethics and morals, his moral compass that he is just being Daniel. So, of course, he sets himself apart right here. And they say, cool. Now we've got another layer. So we've got 
your satraps, your administrators. Now, Daniel, who is going to oversee them, reporting up to the king, right? So we're just building this hierarchy. And if you can think about it in, in modern time, sounds pretty similar to the systems we've got in place nowadays, right? No, it says, the administrators and satraps, therefore, kept trying to find a charge against Daniel regarding the kingdom, but they could find no charge or corruption, for he was trustworthy and no negligence or corruption was found in him. Then these men said, we will never find any charges against this Daniel unless we find something against him concerning the law of his God. Verse 6, so the administrators and satraps went together to the king and said to him, may King Darius live forever. All the administrators of the kingdom, the prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce that for 30 days, anyone who petitions any God or man except you, the king, will be thrown into the lion's den. Therefore, your majesty establishes and sign the document so that as a law of the Medes and Persians, it is irre excuse me, irreversible and cannot be changed so that King Darius signed the document. So understand right here, all we've got is the setup. These men do not care about King Darius, right? They do not care about the betterment of the king. They care their pockets are not getting lined because Daniel's not letting them cheat the system, right? So understand, we got an ego feeding ego right now, right? We, we got humans feeding humans. Like, hey, we're not getting our extra cut we used to get without Daniel. So guess what? We're setting Daniel up to fail so we can get Daniel up out of here so we can get back to making our money off the king that the king don't know about. So again, right? Think about it in humanity. We see it all the time. Praise King Darius, right? Put your name in there. Praise King Jason. As soon as people say that to you, what do you say? Yep. What you need? Oh, yeah, it's a good idea, right? Man, ego is powerful, right? We love people to praise us, right? King Darius, no different right here. King, even though he was going to appoint Daniel, right? He, he looked at Daniel as his man. He's still saying, I agree. I agree. Let's, let's put this in place right here. So verse 10, when Daniel learned that the document had been signed, he went into his house, the windows in the upper room opened towards Jerusalem. And three times a day, he got down on his knee, prayed and gave thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel petitioning and imploring his God. So they approached the king and asked about this. Didn't you sign that for 30 days, any man who petitions any God or man except you, the king will be thrown into lions? And the king answered, as a law of Medes and the Persians, the order stands and is irreversible. Then they, they replied to the king, Daniel, one of the Judean exiles, has ignored you. The king and the edict you signed, and he prays three times a day. As soon as the king heard this, he was very displeased. He set his mind on rescuing Daniel and made every effort until sundown to deliver him. Then these men went to the king and said to him, you, as king, know it is a law, not an ordinance. The king established cannot be changed. So, right, so we're just going to pause it for a sec. Understand, Daniel, he knew the order. He knew what the king said. Daniel didn't care, right? I, don't, I didn't read a single. Daniel thought. Daniel hesitated. Daniel pondered. Daniel waited. Said he went right back up, continued his routine. Windows wide, so windows open. What does that mean? People can see in, right? He wasn't hiding from anything. Three times a day, Daniel continued to pray. Obviously, everybody knew what was going to happen. They said, King, here it is. We told you. Time to deal with it. So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, may your God, whom you serve, continually rescue you, right? A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signet ring of his nobles so that nothing in regard to Daniel could be changed. Then the king 
went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him and he could not sleep. I think that is a very interesting on verse 18, right? The king was obviously anxious. The king was bothered by this. He knew, there's no doubt in my mind when you read this, in his heart of hearts, he knew Daniel was not wrong. And the king feared God. There is no doubt, by the way. He went and fasted. So pretty interesting, right? He applied Christian principles, right, into this. He fasted and he was worried, right? So the king of kings knew he was kind of playing that little half foot in, half foot out, right? And again, I can't put words in the script, but we've been here before where you know kind of the right thing, but you know the thing that everybody else is accepting, and you kind of walk down the road like this, right? One foot on both sides of the line. Depending on who's there, what side am I walking on the line? What side am I walking on the line? What am I saying? What am I doing, right? And I feel this is what King's playing right here. King is playing, the king is playing in the middle of the road, right? So that he can just sit there in front of his men, all those that serve the great king. I made the law of the order. Behind closed doors, do not disturb me. Who knows? The king was probably praying to God like, oh man, God, I'm sorry, right? But as we know, and I will tell you, right, God is not a God of, of, of what's best for you and what you feel like today and what is acceptance by the people around us, right? God is a God of God, and he is a God of, he has given us the foundation to live off of, and he don't play the one foot in, one foot out role very well, right? And what I mean by that is you can go ahead and attest. You know you're playing one foot in, one foot out. This isn't God's problem. This is our problem when we play this type of the road. So we get pick it up on verse 19, and it says, At first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. Funny, right? It doesn't talk about his men went down to check it out. The king went down himself to check out the den. When he reached the den, he cried out in anguish to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, the king said, Has your God, whom you serve, continually been able to rescue you from the lions? Then Daniel spoke with the king. May the king live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth. They haven't hurt me, for I was found innocent before him. Also, I have not committed a crime against you, my king. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to take Daniel out of the den. So Daniel was taken out of the den uninjured, for he trusted in his God. The king then gave the command, and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and thrown into the lion's den. They, their children, and their wives, they had not reached the bottom of the den before the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Took a real turn for violence there at the end, right? And, uh, you know, and sometimes I always have to remind people, like, whoo, there is some nasty stuff here when you get down into it, right? And you think about this. The king said, cool. You all brought this charge. You go in crushed instantly. Now, I, I still think as we get kind of get into the themes right here, right, uh, of kind of what we saw in this message and we corresponded, you know, with it, with the verses, though, again, I think it's very important to realize, though, that King Darius right here, right, he is playing the middle road all the way through. And the first theme that I think King Darius shows us, right, is we can't play the middle road, right? We should not be playing the middle road with our walk with Christ. And I think that this becomes a very simple thing for us to naturally do based upon our culture and our community and our habitat and those around us, right? If we have friends that are non-believers or we have friends that maybe don't believe the same thing, oftentimes we'll play the middle ground not to be confrontational, right? Or not cause conflict. 
Um, and, and again, the, the problem with this, right, is you are attempting to not live by actions. You are attempting to live by words, right? And, you, and those words are what you're saying as you play both sides of the street, per se, as King Darius is. And, and I won't get into the, the continuance of this story, but I think it is very important. I think it is unjust to this story to not realize that, yes, King, you, you could also probably write a book right here or a story and make King Darius seem like a hero, right? King Darius loved Daniel. He loved and adored Daniel. He didn't want anything to happen to Daniel. He didn't want to see Daniel get harmed. I mean, he didn't even eat food. He was so worried about poor Daniel. King Darius didn't have to throw him in the lion's den, right? King Darius could have stood for something from that moment and probably had an incredible, profound impact upon his kingdom. And that, to me, is often our lives where we kind of get that moment that pops up every now and then it's, what do you stand for, right? And, and do we kind of take the, the easy or the hard road on, on our approach right there? And, and again, this is just something that we, I believe that we should observe. But what did Daniel show us, right? What did, what did Daniel show us throughout this story? First thing I want to look at is Daniel's prayer, right? And, and his faithfulness through prayer. I think Daniel showed us that prayer language is not a pleading language, right? And, and culturally, we often get caught that prayer language is pleading language often in our lives, right? Dear Heavenly Father, please don't. God, please do not let. Please stop. Please fix. Please, please. And I think it's very interesting here, as Daniel was, was facing lions, right? As he was facing a decree, we don't get a picture that Daniel was pleading for God not to put him in the den. Or I don't get the picture that Daniel was praying for God, please save me from, right? His faithfulness was greater than the moment because his prayer language was not of only a pleading language, language, but it was a language of thanks, right? When you read a lot of Daniel, there's a lot of thanks that go into it. And I remember that probably during my, my, the greatest thing I've learned even about my own prayer language and my own prayer time is that the more time I spend pleading or attempting to per se, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, right? Uh, ask for forgiveness, right? Because of things I possibly continue to do over or, or know better, right? Is less time I get to spend in thankfulness, it is less time I get to spend in the idea of praying for other people, right? I, I spoke last time I spoke on time. You don't get to change it. 24 is 24 in a day, right? And, and our actions often dictate how blessed we are with time. Prayer language is no different, right? And, that, and that's where I believe it's, it's just this big piece to me to think that oftentimes we're taught, and, and, I, and I believe we're somewhat taught this uh, subconsciously, that our prayer language is a pleading language, right? It's a, it's a, always, it's a constant forgiveness language, right? But, I, but I, I, I view Daniel's life, and it was a thankful language. It was a blessings language. It was a praying for the entire area language, right? And when, when, I, when I see that, and, and you look at Daniel's life, I don't believe we can overlook it. I mean, you think about even if King Darius was up in his room that night, 
right? If King Darius, if he prayed, again, hypothetical, don't hold me to the fire right here. This is not in the Bible. I'm just saying if King Darius was praying to God, he could have not been in a moment of thankfulness. Why? Because he didn't stand on his ground and he placed Daniel in this situation to then have his life at risk. So what do you think Darius would have been praying for? Dear God, please don't let nothing happen to Daniel. Please save Daniel. Please don't let him get hurt. Please. I'm so sorry, God. I'm sorry, God. Please forgive me, God. Think about it. All of it was into a plead and an ask, not a give thanks, and to other people to change kingdom, right? His, his, and I think that, to me, has always stood out about Daniel's prayer life, which is just the fact that as he, you, when you read it in verse 10, he learned the document had been signed. He went to his house. The windows in the upper room opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed and gave thanks to God, just as he'd done before. And that, to me, is so important. Gave thanks to God, just as he'd done before. His situation did not dictate his prayer language. It did not. He was not swayed. He was not. And again, remember we said, he's not young. He's been living this life, right? And the part of his prayer language, too, is you're never too busy. We're never too busy. I can catch myself. And again, I'm not a hypocrite, man. I'll call it where it's called it, right? I failed all the time sometimes where I'm talking like, man, like the things I waste time on and don't spend time reading a Bible, saying a prayer, the simple things, and, and I'm going to call it for what it is, and if I offend you, I promise, but I'm, trust me, I'm offending myself. So let me say that first. I'm the, the, the number one failure right here, right? How many things I place above the simple tasks that God have placed in our life that aren't a job but are for the embetterment of us, right? How many things do we read but we won't read a Bible? How many things do we watch but we won't read a Bible? How many things do we listen to but I won't say a prayer, right? And again, why do I think it all is important? Because it takes us to this place of Daniel, where when bad things happen, when outcomes aren't the way we saw it, even in a life of faithfulness, I'm thankful. I'm thankful. Why? Because I've got God. I know that while my earthly outcome is undefined, my eternal outcome is. Right? And, and to me, that was huge right here, that the idea of never being too busy. And as we transition it right into the theme right here, the big piece that I think Daniel showed us is you can't figure out how God thinks and you aren't tasked with understanding it either. You cannot figure out how God thinks, right? If we would have read this story and it said the guards could not open the lion's den, I wouldn't have been shocked. God stepped in, right? Daniel is a man of faithfulness. He stepped in and, and it says that they could not move the stone. Oh, okay, cool. That makes sense. Daniel's a great guy. They threw him in the lion's den and all the lions were already dead. That makes sense too. Daniel's not at risk anymore. I get it, right? God, I understand that, but we don't. Open the den, the lions are alive, throws them in, he shuts their mouth. I also find it very interesting, it doesn't describe it, right? But mouths shut of a lion still have paws, right? And still have claws that can still maim human beings, still kill people, right? And to me, the, the, the interesting part here is, again, not understanding how God thinks 
because I be, believe if you start going down a rabbit hole of understanding how God thinks, right? If I'm trying to figure out God and all his glory and why he did this and why he did that and, and why he did this, it causes doubt because you continue to go down something your brain or my brain cannot handle. It cannot handle it. Our brains cannot handle miracles. Fact, right? When we read, when we read miracles in scripture and when we see miracle in modern time, we cannot comprehend it. It's almost like when you say eternity, can you comprehend eternity, right? I remember as a kid laying in my bed night after night, like, when does eternity end, right? Going to church, like, what do they mean forever? When's the stop, right? And I learned probably a few years ago to stop even trying to understand, to always figure out the why. Why did that happen? Why did God do that? Why did God allow that? Because you're looking at it a lens. I, I remember this week, I, 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 should, I think I still got it in my truck. I should have brought it in. I was speaking here at FCA this week, and I spoke to them about be you because you matter. And I used a puzzle, right? Like, we, we look at this puzzle, you know, in the, because we see the finished product. And then we take these little pieces and try to fit them in, right? But understand, like, we see a little tiny, tiny piece of the puzzle. And God sees the entire completed project. We're not on that level. We're not tasked to be on that level, right? And I think this, again, is why Daniel's outcomes of his prayer language and his prayer life and his faithfulness were so in tune, he doesn't question. Again, God, why? He gave thanks. God, help me understand. He gave thanks, right? And think about our own prayer language. We ask for that. I, I know I have plenty of times. God, help me understand why. God, let me, and again, right, like in, in the horrors of things, sorry, I'm terrible with this headset, so I'll probably mess it up all service, but in, in the horrors of humanity, right, and, and in, in the awful things we see, I, I have without a doubt questioned, like, why, God? Why? Why a child? Why? I remember, uh, I, and, and I've said this before, but I remember, you know, some of our best friends uh, there, my nine-year-old Braxton and their son um, were born two weeks apart, and uh, their young man drowned in a pool at three years old, right? Knew his little kid his whole life, man. Christy and I are coming up here to Target, get a call, come to the hospital. Uh, Cooper's in the hospital, man. They found him in the pool. What? Innocent child. What? And I know it's challenging, and I know it can seem unfair, but it's not our task. It's not our job to understand how God thinks. I know that does not make it easier. Without a doubt, I'll stand right here and say, if it was my child, I, I don't know if I could give the same sermon. I do not know. But what I do know as somebody who's unfortunately buried a lot of people, I found peace in being remembering them for who they were and giving thanks that we can still continue on together, even within the spiritual realm to the physical realm. I do believe that. And I believe that's the power of God, right? And, and, and Daniel shows this idea that there's no, don't ask, don't question. You can't figure it out. It's going to be human nature. We're going to say, God, I don't understand. And I think that's great within your prayer language. And then I think it's to remember that, that again, but God, thank you, right? Thank you. Because what I do know is that these outcomes that are undefined are in your will. That is what I believe Daniel was so attuned to through his prayer life, that, that the will of God may be done. And we do not really quite fathom the will of God because it involves people dying. 
and it involves nasty things in our eyes. And that's tough. And as we, as we look into this, right, and I'm going to give the, this next big theme. We've only got a couple left here, and, and I know we got friends giving, so get everybody, let everybody get some food. Actions through faith are greater than words of faith. Actions through faith are greater than words of faith. And that, to me, is where the maturity of our, of our walk with Christ comes into play, right? When we, it's easy for me to stand here Sunday morning, peaceful as it can be, with my little khakis on, nothing bad's going on, to say, praise Jesus. Give thanks in your prayer life. Don't question God's will. Don't question the outcome. But like I just said, what if it was my kid? Right? What if it was my kid? What, 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 what if it's not a bad day? I walked out here and, you know, the, uh, uh, somebody just blessed me out upside down, right? Let me have it, you know. I woke up this morning, my car won't start. You know, all the things. The list could go on. The, the, the list could go on. But I, but I will promise you that, you know, as many Instagram posts as you make, as many tweets as you may tweet, is words. Is words. Actions matter. Actions matter, right? Because, and I would tell you, and I've learned this one the hard way and the not so hard way, right? When you got a lot of things to say and you're on a stage where people listen to you here and there and often, they're watching, right? They want to see, are you the man or woman who, who are they, ba- are you bagging it up? Are you who what you say you are? And, and the reason I believe it's so important, right, and it becomes subconscious to us of, of our way of living, even in our maturity in Christ, is there's no doubt we're in this room, however many people there are, we're in that many different levels of maturity in Christianity and our relationship with Christ, right? We are not all on a level playing field here, just being real. Some of us have matured quicker than the others, right? I mean, the Bible shows us that. We got Daniel already. Go back to Genesis. What you got? Adam over there and Eve messing it up from day one, A1, right? They ain't giving thanks, man. They're eating apples, right? You, and, and I say all that, right, in, in, a, in, a, in a funny sense to say, it's maturity in Christ. And maturity in Christ comes through the growth of our relationship in Christ, right? So, yes, you probably got some actions that are still suffering. It's not a surprise to God, right? It, but it's something not to hide from either, right? Like, dang, mess that up again. Shoot. Apologize to those that are impacted by it, right? Uh, and, and again, that's why I think it was so important, even in the beginning, right? Money is the root of all evil. We've heard that a hundred times over. Think about how this story starts. It's about money. These dudes cannot steal from the king, so they want to take Daniel out, right? Daniel's got to go. Daniel could have easily, easily, and I think this is a very North American thing I'm about to say, could have been like, man, you know what? You boys get your cut this one time. Just one time, take your cup from the king. God, I apologize. I'm sorry for that one time. Because, you know, the other 150, I've done it right, God. I'm sorry for that one, though. Could have been a story, could have gone that way. And that's very North American-esque, right? Like, hey, just ask for forgiveness. If we do it another time, just ask for forgiveness, right? And that's the easy way. I'm just being real. Standing firm, apologizing for when you were wrong. And, and taking a stand to make a change is the hard way, right? It is the hard thing to do. 
But again, the theme from Daniel, hold tight, hold tight. You're going to have a lot of people that don't like it, but his actions spoke louder than his words. If you think about it right here, Daniel's words in this passage are very few. His actions are very much. Right? Even to the point of when Daniel comes out of the lion's den, right? He, he comes out of the, of the lion's den, and what does he say? May the king live forever. What? Who are you talking to? Daniel? Darius? No, right? My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth. They haven't hurt me, for I was found innocent before him. Also, I have not committed a crime against you, my king. Still called the man his king. Imagine how many descriptors Daniel could have put in there to describe that man. Besides king? And Daniel was rolling on a high. Think about it. God just saved you from lions. Let the king eat. Let him, let him know what's up. No, king, hop in. In fact, let me give you a push. It's not Daniel, right? His, his actions were so much louder than his words. And I think it's very important for us to realize that actions through faith will always be greater than. They are not greater than or equal to. They are greater than words of faith. And as we, we get down here, I got, I got about five minutes. You're going to come up. I, I don't want to leave you. I'm always leaving you up here too long. Uh, two last points I'm going to kind of close it on, right? And especially as we talk about God's will, these outcomes that aren't defined in our life, right? 100%. Some of you are probably somewhere right now that are like, man, I hear you, but this is not good in my life right now. This is not fair in my life right now. Um, much like Daniel showed us, outcomes within God's will are, un, are, are, are not defined. We don't get the nudge ahead of time. Like, hey, just stay faithful. I got you. You'll make it. We don't. That's the hard part about faith, in my opinion, because it's, un it's unseen. It's unknown. We must trust. We must have faith in the greater good and in God's will that it will be done here on earth as it is done in heaven. And if you believe that phrase right there, that his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I think it gives you everything you need to know about earth. It is within his will. He's not asking for you to come to him to say, God, let me see the plan so that my faith can remain. No, 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 no. He just wants to see your faith. And your faith through actions will change humanity, Right? It will change you when the outcomes aren't defined and you don't have a clue what's going on, but you maintain a faith in Christ that people observe, it changes people because they witness it and they realize they're witnessing something greater than that person. They are seeing a faith through actions. And the challenging thing with this last two, and again, my apologies if this hits you close to home in here, some will live and some will perish for God's glory. I can run that a hundred ways, probably come up with some great analogies. Some are going to live and some are going to die for God's glory. The Bible is full of those stories. This story could have had a different outcome. God would have still saved people through it. He didn't. Daniel lived. People were saved. Other people were killed. Don't get lost in the, in the win-loss column of humanity when you're trying to debate your relationship with the Heavenly Father. Right? 
Free will exists here. Uh, we've witnessed it since Genesis. And it's not God's fault. Right? It is not God's fault. Again, easy to say with words, harder to live through action. Much harder to live through action. And I got one more point, but as I come to that, I will tell you that, you know, Saturday, Friday morning, when I walked through this Veterans Memorial, right, which again, it caught me off guard because I wouldn't expect it. I thought it was like, you know, hey, salute to service. And I was like, oh my gosh, man, I'm seeing all these kids that were with me. Like, oh man, right? And I struggled, struggled with that one. I'm going to tell you, uh, bam, like, man, I mean, I watched guys that had never met their baby die. You know, I watched kids that I had been with for a few years, great kids die, right? All the, and I struggled with the idea right there, right? That, like, what do you mean? Something like, why? I could come up with 20 other people, 20 other people like that should have gone before they did. My struggle was trying to understand the outcome and the why behind what had happened, right? And I know it's war. It's not the same as walking down the street. I understand that. But there's still people, right? And they're still young. They're still dads. They're still somebody's kid. But I found peace, much like this weekend, and why I can even talk about it now with, with pretty ease, because I've, I've seen glimpses of what that impact of that, that person's life has left here forever. And through tragedy, there was triumph found in other people's lives. Very hard. I agree. Very, very hard, right? But when we come to this idea and we, we observe Daniel's faithfulness in, in who he is, it's one that we have to understand. God's will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Does not make it easier. Does not mean you should not pray. Does not mean that you should not say, God, I do not understand this one and I don't think it's fair. And I believe that that language is fair because I believe that that's where God intervenes. That's where God speaks to you. And it may take years, years of that conversation to continue. But then you realize like, man, uh, you know, that same day, right, on, on Veterans Day was, I always say, it's my born stay alive day. You know, I was tossed through the, the sky like a paperweight from a grenade and stood up and knocked back down uh, from, you know, from the enemy. But guess what? By the grace of God, I lived. And I realized over time through my maturity, there was triumph found in that. But it also gave me a view of God that I never would have had without it. Right? And when you talk about the things where you're like, that don't make sense. For me, it don't make sense. I'm like, don't know. But I always tell people, like, hey, I, wasn't my time. Wasn't my time. I'm cool when it is. I really am. I really am. Because I've seen it. So all I can be is blessed and thankful that it's not and realize that my thankfulness now has to turn into actions through faith. And this is what I'm going to leave you with. Fear or your own personal lions are not bigger than God. And they can be defeated. Personal lions, your own den that we often put ourselves in, 
our own fear, the things that hold us back, the things that keep us from drawing closer to God, the things that we don't understand, the things that, that just don't seem in any which way fair, the things that there's no way I can, can go approach, there's no way I can go speak to that person, there's no way that should have happened to me when I was a little kid. None of it's bigger than God. None of it. None of it. What God is waiting for you is to give him absolute control over that moment. And to realize, God, give me the power over that moment to glorify the kingdom of God. That's why I believe unreal testimonies exist and why, God, why they are out there. I, I truly believe because I promise you, you talk to anybody. I mean, you, you, you conversate enough. I run my mouth for a living. So you speak to enough people, you realize like, man, I ain't the only one. I mean, you, you'll find people, or you, you'll say something and people be like, oh my gosh, I felt the same thing. You're like, what? For real? You too. Yeah. Or you'll get somebody up here that talks about a, a life of addiction or a life of horror, right? I mean, I saw a young lady this week and I, I almost, I, I mean, I had to read it for a hot minute. I was like, wow. Um, lady was in the porn industry for like a decade. Now she's a, uh, an assistant pastor at a church. And you talk about a lady who's going to grip a community of people with a story, right? Why? Because God's bigger. He will never be defeated. He will not lose, and neither will you. It doesn't matter what it is, right? Again, don't define the outcome. And realize God does not have a record. He does not have a 2 and 2, 1 and 1, 29 and 0, 35 and 0. God is undefeated. He's been saving lives since Genesis. He continues to save lives in our time. And every story in the Bible is the same. If we will give it to him. Right? Did God put Daniel in a situation? Because I know that's another great one, and I'm going to finish. You know, I always hear this one. What is it? God will never give you something more than you can handle, right? Like, where you live at? What Bible you read? God just threw Daniel in with lions. Daniel going to handle that? Nah, he can't. But God will never throw you in a situation you can't handle if you put your faith in him. Doesn't mean we know the outcome but we know your faith was in him and we know the outcome is eternal life in him. And that is the outcome of the entire story, right? It is that our greater good, our faith through actions, right? Our prayer language, our thankfulness, our time with him, we become more mature. We lead other people to him and we get called to heaven. It's pretty wild, right? It's like the Titanic. We already know the end. You already know the end. We just fill in the gap through our relationship, which is wild, too, to think like, man, it's all in my hands almost. Like, I can either choose to obey or not. Tough. I'm going to pray for us. Tough time of year also, right? Holidays, man. Holiday, holidays bring it out of people. I always saw, like colds. People always getting sick. How, why do we always get sick when it gets cold in the world? I don't know. But I want to pray for you, and I want to pray for all of us in this time. Uh, because what I, what I believe is, is some of you will be challenged in this time of year to take another step in faith. Some of you will be challenged to release an outcome decision. Some of you will be challenged 
to put it all in God's hands. Some of you will be challenged to step into the den. That's life. That is life. Daniel, 70, 80 years old, still getting thrown in with lions. I always said, man, God took his own son in his 30s. What's our guarantee, right? A life with him. That's our guarantee. That is it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, King of kings, Lord of lords, peace of all understanding. God, man, we're thankful to be here today just to get to celebrate your name. Uh, Hang out with you in the idea of understanding your greatness, Lord, that through you, nothing is impossible. Without you, nothing is possible. Lord, I pray there may be some in this room that have never had a relationship with you. What I pray, Lord, is that they open up their heart for you to come inside, God. May they open the door wide. May they ask you to be part of their journey while here on earth and lead them for the remainder. I pray for all those in this room, Heavenly Father, that that may face those lions this season. Some may be in the den right now. I pray for Daniel's strength. I pray for the strength in him that he showed through you. I pray for that strength through us, that as we get put into the den, as we come face to face with the lions, that we are not fearful of an outcome, but we are obedient to the faith that we can be brave in you and through you and glorify you in our actions. Heavenly Father, as we we close this service and we spend time together, God, I pray that uh, a blessing upon this meal, a blessing upon all those that will will partake in it, Heavenly Father, and and I just pray, God, uh, just the, the sense of peace and comfort that comes with breaking bread together, Heavenly Father, just as Jesus broke bread with his disciples and spent time, may we break bread with each other and spend time. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to the Bridge Church Podcast. If you would like to find out more information about our church, you can simply visit our website at thebridgebluffton.com. Have a blessed day.